0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Speaking with Influence, where you'll hear professional speakers discussing their signature talks and how they educate, motivate, and inspire their audiences around the world. Speaking with Influence is brought to you by the Speaker's Guild USA, where we have the perfect speaker for your next event. Visit us at SpeakerSkilledUSA.com. Well, good morning. I'm Deborah Simpson coming to you from San Diego, California. If any of our listeners are on Twitter, and especially if you're a professional speaker, I'd appreciate, appreciate you hitting that Tweet This button and let your followers know about the show. If you have a question, you can feel free to call in. The number is 516-595-8125. And if you like the show, you can always follow the show by tapping the follow us button on the show page. And of course, you can keep with, up with us via iTunes. Today, my guest is Deborah Gudis. Deborah has over 20 years supporting women in midlife transition craft lives with more purpose and passion in her role as a business and career coach, a Reiki master, and a healing touch practitioner. She's also a best-selling author, and of course, she's a speaker. Her clients have coined her Midlife Transition Doula. Her signature approach combines spiritual and practical tools to assist individuals navigating life transitions to birth new lives for themselves of more joy and fulfillment. She has chosen to turn her journey with cancer into something positive by supporting others in navigating this disease with more ease and to craft a life of more meaning and purpose for themselves. To her credit, she's also the past Vice President of the Sacramento Chapter of the National Speakers Association, and she has presented keynotes and workshops for corporations and associations such as Hewlett-Packard, American Society for Training and Development, Seroptimist, Society for Technical Communication, and the Association of Professional Directors, just to name a few. She resides in San Diego with her beloved husband, David, of 24 years, and their pup, Tucker. So, for fun, she enjoys scuba diving, dancing, music, traveling with her husband in their motorhome, and exploring the cultures of the world. Deborah, welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you as my guest today.
1: Hi, Deb. Thank you so much. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm happy to be here too. And I know that you've just written a book, The Seven Keys to Coping with Cancer: How You Can Feel Good and Thrive, from someone who's been there. What prompted you? Is it was it your journey of the diagnosis and then going through the options that medicine gives you that prompted you to write the book? Pardon me. Uh,
1: actually, Deb, what it was initially, it started out as a very Uh, cathartic process for me Uh, journaling and writing is something I always uh, uh, coach my clients to do when they're going through life transitions Uh, to clear out your head is like just do a brain dump and get all that stuff out of your head onto paper because it has a tendency to lose its power over how you're feeling when you get it out of your head. So initially I just started out just writing because I didn't want to be all that stuff to my family and friends, but, <laughs> but it, it felt toxic to me. And so originally I just started just writing it all down. And, and then I started to realize, wow, this, you know, some of this stuff could actually maybe be helpful for someone else going through this. And so I started the process of writing, Uh, my forthcoming book, Living Well Through Cancer. And I was telling people about it and uh, people would ask me, so when's your book coming out? When's your book coming out? And so finally I just decided the book's not ready because I still want to do some interviews with other individuals going through this. And so I decided, you know, I'm just going to distill it down to the, you know, the seven key points and create sort of a primer. And so I designed it in a, a small format that a woman can carry around with her, um, it has questions to ask your doctor, it's got affirmations, it's basically carry it with you so you can make notes as you're talking to people, you have ideas, things come to you because they will, and have it as a kind of a personal resource as well as something that you can refer to to kind of move you through the process. So it's like a, a quick primer in my oncologist says so she loves it because Uh, It's concise and, you know, most reference books she says are like thick and kind of hard to get through, whereas this one's concise and has all the key points um, in an easy to read. I mean, you can basically sit down and read it in 20 minutes.
0: Yeah, I like that idea a lot. I think uh, it's good for people to be journaling uh, their parts of their lives. I've kept journals for years. So how did your, your journey begin? Because I know you have a beautiful metaphor that you like to use to describe your journey, don't you?
1: I do, I do. Um, yeah, I love to use the the life cycle of a monarch butterfly because I think it so perfectly mm-hmm. illustrates the process one goes through. And actually, quite honestly, this applies to anyone going through any illness or any major life transition. I mean, the details may be different, but you're going to go through many of the, you know, they are going to go through the same process in a life transition uh, of any sort. Uh, And so I talk about uh, uh, how the initial stage of the monarch butterfly is the egg stage. And that's the point of real shift or change. And of course, with the cancer patient, that's the point of your diagnosis. And uh, like the butterfly, this point is very fast. The, the butterfly is only in that egg stage for four days. And uh, in the same way, you may not realize that, you know, y- you have something going on in your body. Um, I kind of had a hunch. I mean, I have a, hi- a history of uh, cystic breast. I had a cyst. Um, cyst for me typically would flare up in response to stress. And in November of 2016, I had what we thought a cyst was a cyst that was on my mammogram previously that year. All of a sudden, we were our dog was getting very sick, Harley, and um, I was having an emotional response to that and not unusual to stress. All of a sudden, I had this cyst that just popped up. And, and for me, they're very fast. So literally, in a matter of 10 days to two weeks, this thing grew to about an inch and a half. And We weren't too concerned about it, because it's happened before, and I go in, and they aspirate them, they drain them, and and I'm fine. And Mm -hmm. I went to my doctor, because it was a little bit painful, because of where it was located, and she says, you know, it's in the same place as the cyst in your mammogram before, so unless it continues to bother you, you know, we'll just deal with it in your mammogram, you've got a mammogram coming up in February. Well, the pain started to go away, and so we thought, okay, so it's probably okay. But interestingly enough, and this is the thing that I kind of ignored, I did have a lot of extreme fatigue around that same time, but I didn't pay attention to that because I thought, well, I'm grieving because I, we lost our dog by the end of the year on the 23rd of uh. November. And I'm grieving, you know, I'm tired, that was really stressful because we weren't able to see, he had uh had a heart condition and so we weren't sleeping at night so it was very stressful because we weren't getting, I wasn't getting really good sleep I'm trying to maintain my business I had a lot going on it's like I'm just tired and if there's anything I would go back and redo it would be that you know I, I would have pushed to have it looked at I don't know that it would have made any difference one way or the other but so anyway uh, you know all of a sudden uh, at the same time also I was dealing with what we thought were hemorrhoids. So we wait. I have my mammogram in February. And uh, that's when everything shifted for me in, a, in just a heartbeat. It was like, no, you, you, you have cancer. And you have, uh, not only do you have cancer, you have a rare form of breast cancer called triple negative breast cancer. It's a fast-growing, very aggressive, and it's stage three. And so... You know, it's like, boom, in an instant, your life changes, you know, and and so like that butterfly, you know, you've got the the fast-moving process, and you've got di- the diagnosis, many decisions you've got to make, Who, what doctors are going to support me, what are my treatments, and there's tests, and there's scans, and all this stuff that's kind of coming at you, right? And I can remember, you know, that initial, of course, shock and fear and uncertainty and my husband and I were speechless as the doctor is telling me all this and she left the room and we both turned to each other and we held each other and we cried. And then we both kind of stood back and we looked at each other and said, you know, almost in unison, we can do this, you know. And it's at that point mm-hmm. that you... Quickly come to a place of learning how you can cope with this drastic change in in your life, and the more quickly you're able to do that, the more quickly you can have a sense of peace about what's occurring for you. You know how you can move through that shock and diagnosis um, will allow you to more quickly and clearly sort through the many decisions that you know face you. And so that phase one is really the is about you know learning how to develop and sharpen those coping skills so you can embrace. You know the the change and uncertainty that's about to you know that's facing you at that point.
0: Yeah, it's how do you help people? Because you wrote this book for a specific reason. In is it to help others go through this process as well?
1: It is. Um, I, I I can't explain it, Deb, but it was like I knew from the very outset with my first diagnosis, because it was the second one that came after that. But from the first one, at that point, it's like, you know, I, there's something to this. You know, I've always been someone that approached my life from the standpoint of, what is this trying to teach me? And what am I, what am I supposed to do with this? And I felt like, okay, so, I'm, I just had the sense that at some point along the way, I was going to be helping others with this as well. I didn't raise my mm-hmm. – I didn't think I raised my hand early on in my life to say this is what I, I have to do with my life. But here it is, and, and we're going to make some lemonade out of some lemons, right? Um, so, yeah, I really want yes. to, to be a source of help for others. I want to create – I want to paint this picture of what's possible because, you know mm-hmm. – Let's be honest, going through cancer is brutal, but it can be so much easier than it is for so many people. And I know that
0: because of the tools that I use to get me through it. And that's what I want to share. So you've talked it yes, you've talked about stage one. What is stage two?
1: Okay, so stage two is, well, and first let me say too, as far as stage one, when it comes to coping with that, the things that help me through that were uh, primarily meditation, and uh I know mm. that people.
0: Some people are gonna be like rolling their eyes and going, "Oh, meditation! I can't meditate." Oh no! All right, so. no, not me, not me. I <laughs> not I, I I okay. meditate every night before I go to bed. Oh. oh,
1: awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, what I like to tell people is that there, you know meditation comes in a lot of forms. Okay, so journaling. Uh, coloring, we've got a lot of adult coloring books, yoga, even art in the form of painting, jewelry design, playing the piano, anything that absorbs you to the point where you lose track of time is a form of meditation. Uh, and I recently also, a good friend of mine, Deanna, um, uh, shared with me a, a great app that I just uh, have started using called uh, timer, uh, Insight Timer. Strange name for a meditation app, but I really like it because it gives you the opportunity to go through guided courses, to guided meditation, it. music. It's, it's the awesome. one I use. It's really great. Oh, is it?
0: Yes. Oh, it's it. Can, yeah, It's the one I use. Yeah, you know,
1: right? It's great. Because you can say I, I want exactly. to only have five yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You got five right. minutes, Kim well, and minutes, then whatever. You,
0: you can also create your own custom um you know the the sounds the chimes and all that you're only singing you can create your own singing bowl meditation as well
1: oh i didn't know about that
0: yeah i love it i that's the one i started using it about a year and a half ago and i do it every night i put my earbuds in fact sometimes i wake up in the middle of the night and my phone is still sitting on my stomach and the earbuds are still in <laughs> i love it i love it (laughs) yeah i i I think that is an incredible uh tool to use i love it
1: great great well so then there's two two kudos for the meditation yeah that's great so anyway back to your question um so as I moved through that um initial diagnosis, everybody needs to know that from there, uh I had my PET scan and they wanted to make sure it hadn't spread anywhere else. And that was when we found um from the PET scan that I had a completely unrelated secondary stage three anal cancer. And oh.
0: that
1: yeah, that was uh that was kind of the uh, the the second hit on the side of the head. Uh, because then the decision was, since they were both stage three, it's like, well, what do we what do we tackle first without either one of them getting out of control? And um, this is when it's really important to have a really great team of doctors. My doctor took my case to two different tumor boards and had very heated discussions, from what I heard, as to what what do we do. And there were many doctors. She said that so we we should just. You know, I should just have a mastectomy to quote get that out of the way. And they said, let me guess, those were all men. And she said, yeah, most of them were. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know, I risked having me to be on a on a you know clasp bag for the rest of my life if the anal cancer got out of the way. So, um, as, you know, so my doctor and I, you know, she gave me choices, of course, and she says, you know, I think we can tackle the anal cancer and keep the breast cancer under control in the process. And so that was my first round of we started off with an oral chemo for six weeks uh, simultaneous to radiation for the my pelvic area and uh, Mm. but I'll tell you I you know I kind of lost it for a while um, when I got that second diagnosis because I know I could come back from one stage three but I honestly didn't know I was going to survive two stage three cancers that was um, that took me a while to wrap my head around um, but mm-hmm. again, you know, moving through this process, you know, that's kind of when I started to move into the stage two of the caterpillar, which is you know, really expanding as an individual spiritually and in my knowledge, you know. So at that point, you know, that it, it takes a baby caterpillar about two weeks to fully grow. And the mm-hmm. interesting thing about this, this is about the parallel that I love is that the caterpillar doesn't do much more than eat milkweed during this time. It has a voracious appetite. It'll literally eat two hundred times its weight in milkweed. Wow. <laughs> if you were if you were to kind of associate that with a human baby, say a seven pound infant, that would be equivalent to consuming fourteen hundred pounds of formula over the course of two weeks, you know, so it's like really consuming a lot of food to grow. And mm-hmm. um, as a as a cancer patient, in the same way, you have a voracious appetite for knowledge and understanding of your disease and diagnosis and what does this mean to me. And, and so you're searching for answers everywhere. And, of course, all your friends and family are turning into experts, sending you all kinds of information and tips and things they think you should try. And it's all very, very overwhelming. Uh, and it's at this point in the process that the caterpillar you know attaches itself to a stem or a leaf and likewise you know this is at the point where you need to begin to form the foundation of what's going to give you a sense of normalcy in your world there's a natural desire i think for most of us to just want to well i'm just going to keep on living my life as normal and and the tendency be, can be to try and cram your disease into your old life and and it's just a really unrealistic expectation uh, this is the time when you need to define what your new normal is right now because otherwise you're setting yourself up for just a lot of frustration in setting uh, unrealistic
0: goals for yourself and uh, are there so any, this is the time- are there any coping tools at this stage that that you suggest for people
1: yeah actually thank you um so there's a number uh, several things first of all this is a time of really setting boundaries both with, with yourself and others it's a time where you need to reassess and look at okay what can i let go of in my life right now that really isn't all that important what kinds of things do I have responsibilities or commitments to that I can either table for now or just say, you know what, this just isn't serving me anymore because I'm not going to get into things and just keep on doing them because we've been doing them. And maybe they've lost relevance in our life, but we just not come around to saying and recognizing and saying no. So that's the other thing is uh, saying being able to say no, being able to say, recognize if you have individuals in your life who you find toxic, um, you, you know, kind of creating some separation there and, and not, This is when you want to surround yourself with people who are positive, who are not negative and see you dying. A lot of people, you you tell them you have cancer and you can see the look on their face change. I mean, they just, a lot of people assume cancer means death. Well, I'm here to tell you it doesn't. And you need to surround yourself by people who see you as healthy and vital and alive and can see the possibility of you coming out the other side of that. So, this is a time to separate yourself from those that cannot be in unison with that mindset and it's also about saying no to the things that don't support you and also finally uh, being becoming familiar with the stages of grief and understanding where you are in that process we all process grief differently and knowing how to walk through those stages in a powerful way we all move through the, the stages of grief Um, Not all in the same order necessarily, and we don't all spend the same amount of time in each phase. And it's important to go through all those stages and also not to get stuck, you know, permanently in any one of them because you want to move through it and and on the other side in order to be able to really uh, help in a healthy way uh, and you know, move through your diagnosis and treatment um, so that you can become healthy again. So those are what I would say would be the primary things at that stage.
0: Okay, and at this point in time, can you share with the listeners how they can get in touch with you if they'd like to talk to you about this some more or pick up a book or talk to you about any trainings or uh, workshops you might have?
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I do have the book, Seven Keys to Coping with Cancer. They can find that on Amazon, both on Kindle and in a, a paperback. But what I've done for your listeners is I've created a Simple Healing Solutions Kit. And what that is, is a first of all, I've got this Simple Healing Solutions, so it's about a seven page reference guide. And I didn't include it in the book because I keep making changes to it and so this way once an, an individual downloads it you can continue to get those updates. But I've gotten really rave reviews um, on this simple healing solutions reference guide because what I've done is I've gone through I, and I need to I need to actually I found another revision coming out that I I went through, I tracked okay, so if I'm having body pain from chemo, what helped me? Or if I've got chemo brain, as they call it, what helped me with that? Or, or I'm dealing with low energy fatigue or mouth sores from radiation or, and chemo or, or nausea. And I gave the – I have – it's kind of color-coded based on physical – and emotional symptoms so you you find your symptom that you're trying to deal with and then I give you some uh, solutions that you can try so that's the first thing that's included and then the second is uh, this uh, thriving in the midst of cancer quick reference sheet and then also have they'll also receive a uh, kind of a series of Uh, like a short e-course, if you will, with some tips, a seven-module e-course. They can access that. I created a short link for this, and it's a bit.ly link. So it's um, bit.ly forward slash simple healing solutions. And simple is capitalized, healing is capitalized, capital H, and solutions. So simple healing solutions, all one word, but each word is capitalized. Uh, if you go there, you'll see the Simple Healing Solutions. Once you download, put your, all you have to do is put your email in. You'll immediately get that as a download. And then in the follow-up email, you'll get the other two bonus gifts that I'm, I'm offering your listeners as well.
0: Excellent. So we've talked about Stage 1 and 2, and I know we have 3 and 4 left to go. So in the time that we have left together, uh, what is Stage 3? Okay, so Stage 3 is
1: this is the point where you have the chrysalis and this is the point of transformation and this one is about 10 days for the butterfly and what's interesting about this one is that during this stage it kind of appears like nothing is happening from the outside But it's really a time of rapid change. Within the chrysalis, all the old body parts of the caterpillar are undergoing a remarkable transformation called metamorphosis to become the beautiful parts that make up the butterfly that will emerge. And likewise, as a cancer patient, this is a time of real inner transformation, both on a physical as well as a spiritual level. You know, you'll continue to build on what you've begun in the first two stages of your metamorphosis. And now you create, you know, it creates the silk cocoon. Well, I see that cocoon as your own cocoon of safety and support. This is the time you put in the place of the things that will support you on all levels of your mind, body, and spirit. Uh, these these include things like well, and of course, the challenges of, at this point are continuing, are are starting probably to cope with the side effects of treatments, um, trying to move through chemotherapy or and or radiation or losing your hair and 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 moving through that and, and trying to feel the best that you can, understanding that it's not always easy, but but there are ways to to manage that. How do you cope with you're trying to balance your life, the appointments, the scans, all that stuff. And the time pressures if you're trying to maintain a family and work, you know, there's a lot that goes into place. So this is when you really need to have some sort of Protocol that you put in place for yourself. And so I see that as being three kind of three components. The mind component is mindfulness. And when I speak of mindfulness, I think of it as being able to be conscious of the thoughts that are going through your head. I mean, the head chatter, it's like a freight train, it's loud and really hard to ignore. <laughs> You know, you know, am I going to die? Am I going to make it through this? Am I going to feel sick? Am I going to lose my hair? How am I going to, I mean, you know, it's just endless. And so uh, having that mindfulness, if you've got to set a timer on your phone every 30 minutes to check in with yourself, what's going through my head, uh, it's a It's a habit. Uh, and there's all kinds of courses on mindfulness, so I, we won't take time to talk about that more, but it's really, really key. What's, what I really want to get across here to your listeners is that the body will follow suit with what you put in your mind. So if you, in fact, I, my, one of my, my oncologists said to me, you know, I had some people that come in here and say, oh, God, I have to have chemo. I'm going to feel so sick. And she said, you know what? Guess what? They feel sick. She says, you know, if someone comes in like you and says, well, this is a bitch, (laughs) but I'm going to do the best I can um, to feel as good as I can through the process, she says, those are the ones who are like you. You're a rock star. You've gone through this process. You don't look like someone who, you know, is dealing with cancer. So mind and body are very, very much connected. I love creative visualization. It's another part of the mind, you know, when you're... When you're feeling, when you don't feel good, imagine that. Imagine how you want to feel. Think about. I like. I like to think about the example of a movie screen. You see a movie. Someone on the movie in the movie is having an, you know, a hard time, maybe you know, a divorce or whatever, right? You have an, a, a visceral response to that, right? And when the opposite is true if someone's getting married or the best had a baby, we have a, an emotional response to that as well. And it's just a movie in the same way. If you can replay in your mind a movie, a time when you felt really good, and when you're feeling bad, shift your focus to how that felt and imagine yourself feeling that way. I'm not going to guarantee you're going to feel exactly like that, but it but you almost always you will begin to notice that you feel better. Maybe not as good as you want to be, but your body will respond if you can really tie into the emotional feeling of what that felt like. And then third is affirmations, and I have a whole list of them in my book. Second is the body. All right, so simple things like this is the part that really frustrates me and why I wanted to write a book about it is, like, for example, going through radiation, if an individual, if a woman applies – aloe, and essential lavender oil, to her breath several times a day. Now, you can't do it like four hours before radiation. But if you do that throughout the course of radiation and beyond, a few weeks after, because the body still, you know, you still have kind of a residual effect after radiation stops, most likely you will not burn. I went through, I can say I went through two six-weeks courses of radiation and I never burned. Now they'll give you stabs, they'll give you all kinds of ointments, and they'll tell you you know about week three or four you're gonna burn. Well, I didn't. I did have some with my breast I did have some like scabbiness from the follicles um kind of reacting, but i did not I did not have a sunburn, it did not burn um acupuncture uh was really helpful for a host of things, whether it was fatigue, nausea, body ache i mean I, uh, even feeling sad. A whole host of things acupuncture is really wonderful for. Those are the things your doctors won't usually tell you about. Um, They're important to know. I talk about them in my book and in in my course. Uh, CBD and THC tinctures. You can buy tinctures if you put under the tongue. Uh, If you get a 50-50 blend, listeners, you will not have a psychoactive effect. When it's a half and half, they cancel each other out. It will help remediate. I used it when I had painful, painful neuropathy in my feet. I used a 50-50 blend of um, CBD and THC, and my pain in my feet was, was mediated to a point that I could actually tolerate. It's amazing. Um, but again, doctors won't prescribe that because they can't. Um, so it's upon you to learn about that. Cranian ginseng is really helpful for fatigue, uh, I like astrologus as well. It's Look It Up. It's a natural anti-inflammatory and immune support. Doc talks about it. Um, and I say all of these things with please, 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 always, always, always check with your doctor. Pass all this stuff by your doctor to make sure. Because there were times where I couldn't use certain things as I went through. I always ran everything by my doctor. So please don't. I am not a physician. That's my that's my preface to all of this. But I'm telling you these are things <laughs> that help me on a personal level, right? And then last, Mm -hmm. uh, on the spiritual level, the the spirit piece, is the meditation, yoga, movement is also really important. Your support system, being around your supportive friends and family. Uh, Your dog, my dog Tucker. You know, he he was a young pup. He came into our life two months before my diagnosis. Thank you, God. Um, And he's young. And I... (laughs) Because he was so young, I had to walk him every day. Otherwise, he turned to a into a, a, a lunatic. And so he was my therapy. You know, he I had to get out and walk even when I didn't feel like it. And and walking is so important, especially when you're going through chemo and radiation, to help move all that you know the toxicity in your body, move it out of your body. Uh, it's 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 hugely even when you don't feel like it. If you can just walk around your house, walk around your your yard, walk to the block into the block and back. Whatever you can muster walk, walk, walk to the degree that you can because you'll find that it helps you feel better even when you really don't feel like doing it. Um, And do what brings you joy. You know, what is it that you can do right now that this really lights you up, helps shift your energy, make you feel as good as you can. And then, of course, refer to my reference guide, um, Simple Healing Solutions, for a lot of other kinds of things as well.
0: And then you move into stage four, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, ah, oh, so now the butterfly emerges from its chrysalis and, uh, this is the point of real transformation and for the butterfly migration and rebirth, you know, it goes through, we have a whole conversation about rebirth, but <laughs> as humans, but, um, it goes through, you know, that process of, Birthing new eggs and it's so a life cycle and migrating. And, and I look at this as the point of shifting from feeling powerless to inspired and empowered. And at this point, as an individual, you know, you finish your treatment and you've had the support system of your doctors and probably people that you've been going through treatment with um, also alongside you in the journey. And you get that prognosis like I did a couple months ago that you're healed. You have that CAT scan that says, you know, you're healed. There's no sign of any cancer. And your treatment's done. And the medical society, other than saying, okay, you know, you need to come back for regular checkups, they're kind of like, you know, kind of like a mother would pat her, her baby on, her child on the back of the shoulders, they go off to college, okay, you're healed now, you know, and, and they expect you, your friends, your family, they just kind of expect you to pick up your life where you left off, and I had done a lot of research, and I knew that this was something that a lot of women complained about. I mistakenly thought it wouldn't happen to me (laughs) because (laughs) I thought one of the missing pieces for most women is that they didn't know where they were going with their life post-cancer. And I was pretty clear about where I was going. And yet, guess what? I still, myself, at the end felt, oh, yeah. So, yeah, because all of a sudden your life has been consumed with Appointments for treatment and so forth, and now all of a sudden you've got this huge gap of time available to you, and your support system starts to shrink, and the expectation, probably both by on yourself and from others, is to resume your life and your work, etc. And and you you most likely are you know dealing with some lingering physical symptoms and fatigue and just outright feeling kind of lost. what surprised me the most was I ended my last treatment, final treatment of uh, radiation, and final treatment, treatment at all was on August 6th, and I thought I might have a little bit of fatigue after because they told me I would, but my mindset was, well, I'm not going to. Um, it'll be manageable. Well, guess what? <laughs> it actually ended <laughs> up being the last couple months ended up being the worst fatigue that I had for the entire last uh, 18 months. And uh, I didn't expect that, and so managing and dealing with that has been frustrating because now I'm at a point where i'm I'm done with this. I've been down this road for you know, like from the time I initially had the symptoms for almost two years, twenty two months, and I want to get on with my life, and my body was like, "Uh-uh, not happening, not yet." And so you know, this is the point where you need to kind of step back and give yourself time to adjust and fully fully, fully heal. Like the butterfly, you know, the butterfly doesn't just come out of its cocoon and, and fly away, you know. It, it kind of pushes its way through. It's kind of getting used to, oh, I've got these wings, and you can kind of see it spreading its wings out and kind of letting them dry. And, and likewise, as you begin to emerge from your experience, it takes time to feel strong and really good in your skin again, and you can, it can feel a little wobbly, you know, because honestly you have not been here before. This is a yep. new way of being, you know. You're changed. Mm-hmm. There, there's no way you can come through this and come out the other side and not have it change you in some way. So the question is, what will allow you to move through this more in a more powerful and empowering way is to contemplate. All right, so, you know, how has this changed me? Having that real honest conversation with yourself. What do I value and how have the priorities of those values shifted for me? Where, you know, where, What does this mean for me now? Where am I going to go with this? How do I want to shift my life as a result of what's occurred to me or occurred in me or through me? Um, and having real clarity as to, how you want to change your life as a result of the experience can really shift you and move you move you forward in a powerful, really powerful way. There was a book, a study in a book, and there's really two really good books that I read as I was going through this, and I'll mention one that's by Deepak Chopra, Quantum Healing, Exploring the Frontiers of Mind-Body Medicine. That's an awesome book. Again, that's Quantum Healing. Second one is by Dr. Martin Rossman, R-O-S-S-M-A-N martin rossman he wrote a book finding cancer from within how to use the power of your mind for healing this is a really powerful book and he's got a cd of visualizations he does he does a lot in the area of visualizations really a very powerful book on how to use creative visualization again that whole mind body um, concept but i think it was in his book and he talked about how in some of the research that he did that a lot of women a good majority of women Post cancer said that cancer was a gift now mm, I know wow. for some people yeah, <laughs> I know for some people listening to this that can be like seriously, and he said, you know if, if when you listen to them and talk and hear them talk about how it had changed their life,
0: if you didn't know what they had been through, you'd want whatever it was they had and yes yeah, so. so- So we only have a a few minutes left in our time together, and I know that you have the book. Do you want to share with the listeners how they can find your book and purchase it?
1: Yes. Um, So they can get that on Amazon. Uh, It's um, called Seven Keys to Coping with Cancer, How You Can Feel Good and Thrive from Someone Who's Been There. It was a number three bestseller on Amazon, and it's available both in uh, paperback, I think the list price right now is four ninety five, as well as on Kin- in Kindle format, and uh, so yeah, they can access the book there um,
0: at this point in time. So, and so in the just the couple of minutes that we have left, is there something that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Mm.
1: No, I don't think so. I think the only thing I really want to leave your listeners with is that there's a very important connection between how you look at your disease, your perspective, how you how you perceive, shifting it from a place of of why me to the the question of, okay, what am I to learn from this? Or how can I use this in a in, in a positive way in my life? can totally transform your experience of your disease and make it be much more of of an empowering um, point transition in your life. And that's probably the biggest thing that I would like to leave with you other than also taking control, be your own best advocate. Learn what you can do to help yourself because the medical system is behind.